<laughs> Good work, everybody. Good work. Wow. wow. Who enjoyed part one of? Uh, oh, sure. Yeah. It, I, I raised my hand. Yeah. Just, Raising hands famously of great podcast technique. Mm -hmm. Yep. Well, of Let Live and Let Ghosts, uh, you know, retrospective. I'll continue to do the intro because... Tommy and Jesse are just raising their hands. We're looking forward to hearing from them later, and I will do my best to translate when one wishes to speak, and then I will continue to bulldoze over them conversationally. We had a great time doing part one, and we got pretty deep into some stuff, and we're going to do more of that. Yeah. With, yeah. Go on, Tommy, yes, please. No, we got, we got to jump right back in. We left off with Under My Skin. Yep. Our biggest hit of all time. <laughs> Somehow. Honestly, check our streaming numbers. It's huge. It's so silly. Um, it's great. And then, I, I so the next track, uh, unless I'm remembering it correctly, the next track is Miss Templeton's 7,000th Dream, which is, uh, which is truly a mouthful. I'm going to play a little clip of it right now, and then we'll keep going. Pretty soon I'm going to be famous, a little more famous than you. Certain people will greet my name with a proud and mighty Boo! And one glorious day my songs will be played at an airport Chili's too Why yes I'm gonna be famous And you can be famous too that was Miss Templeton's 7,000th dream. It's about the same length. <laughs> it is about the same length. <laughs> <laughs> no, but let's, uh, I'm, I am gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna actually play it now. This is Miss Templeton's. Pretty soon I'm gonna <laughs> be. <laughs> oh, okay, sorry. <laughs> Here we go. All right, this time, this time I'm not talking around. Here we go. This is Miss Templeton. Pretty soon I'm. <laughs> <laughs> I could, I could get a lot out of this. This is Miss Templeton's 7,000th dream. She recognizes the voice on the phone But she can't recall his face She hears knocking on her door at night Jesse, great drumming on this one. This is actually my but favorite drum track uh, so far on this record. She's had seven thousand nights with the very same scene repeated again and again in her dreams. You got two of them on this record. And a broken fall. I remember wanting a lot of songs without drums, but you know we don't all get what we want. It's just the stars stooping down to sing their goodbyes while a man with a briefcase. And hollowed out eyes speaks over and over The hard pan guitar in the left ear. Yeah. Over and over again. Wow, I can I can hear that we recorded this one last because I sound so hoarse. You can tell I was eating a lot of chili dogs <laughs> across the street. Ooh. That was a little flat. Yeah, it was a little flat. Oh, you don't hit that live? High I hit, that's only live? Yeah. Wow. I'll do it. I'll do it live now. Right. We're going to stop it. We're going to cut it off. Great. Whoa. 
I didn't think we were going to listen to that whole thing. No, I didn't think so either. I'm not cool. the DJ. That's so. cool. <laughs> yeah, I have all the power around here, fellas. It's nice to hear the whole thing. I know. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm assuming if you are listening to this episode, then you've listened to Let Goes. But maybe you haven't listened to it in sequence, and I will say... That is part of the record that does not benefit from Spotify Shuffle. That is true. Miss Templeton's 7,000th Stream was very much written as a smooth introduction track into Static, which, wait, is it called Static to the Heart or Static? Uh, that's a good question. It is called Static. I mean, I should really know what my own song is called, but I think we've called it both on different releases. <laughs> when else did we, oh, and it was like the, uh, like the EP version of the album? No, I think like when we put out our live record, we called it like Static to the Heart or maybe oh. like the old version of Let Live before we re-uploaded it and remastered it was also was called Static to the Heart. Oh, there was some, there's a weird title discrepancy at some point. There's also this weird thing that happens where you, you tour on a song and you just write down the abbreviated version of it. Like girl used to be girl and now it's just girl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a good example. Thanks. But like, yeah, you know, the, it becomes static and maybe it, Used to be static to the heart. I don't know. Yeah. Let's go back to Miss Templeton's 7,000th stream. Yeah, and Miss Templeton's goes into static, but what the hell does Miss Templeton's 7,000th stream mean? Yeah. What is this? What the hell is that boy talking about? <laughs> I, I I wrote that song sequence. It's it's funny. It's so hard to explain. It's one of Because it's one of those ones that... There's a thing that I was writing based off of, and it doesn't matter to me if other people it's coming across to them or not. Ben, I'm sure you have this too with lyrics. Like yeah. you can write lyrics that are about some very specific thing, but as long as people are getting kind of a vibe out of it, it's okay if they don't get like the plot or the specific reference. Yeah. So to me, Miss Templeton's 7,000th dream and static are part of the song duology that was, I, I pictured as being part of the end of the world rock opera that's about the Antichrist, but I wanted to flip the idea of the Antichrist on its head. That's very Antichrist of you. It's very anti-Antichrist of me. It's getting confusing. So my basic premise was, this is going to really date us, but when I was writing this, it was like kind of like peak Iraq war time. And there was also all this weird stuff happening, particularly in like right wing media with the idea that like the war in Iraq fulfilled some kind of biblical prophecy, you know, like the, that they talk about these end times in the desert and all these. Anyways, one of the defenses philosophically for the invasion of Iraq was that it was somehow supposed to hasten the end times forward. Like it was supposed to supposed to like speed along the end times in which all Christians would be saved. That was like literally a thing that was floating around. I do want to just point out this is, you know, further proof that when people claim to have a prophecy like this, it usually is correct. Listen to that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So I wrote this one as a kind of parody of that idea. So all the lyrics are kind of about the idea that of, let's say, someone who is super pro-war wrapped up in the Bush administration, they would see anti-war protesters as being like the anti like the Antichrist or like followers of the Antichrist. So it's a song written from the perspective, static is anyway, written from the perspective of like a neocon about war protesters as the Antichrist. <laughs> well, I mean, I was speaking for myself, I've always gotten that from the lyrics. <laughs> yeah. uh, I got I just I <laughs> I wrote my AP English paper about it, and I and I passed. That's crazy, Tommy. That's crazy. Yeah, I know. So what? 
why? I got like, nothing. That's the what and the why. Like, uh, why is this a song? Like, why? Like, I love this song. I love both the songs. And Miss Templeton's Miss Templeton's is kind of more of a mood setting thing. Yeah. Miss Templeton's is sort of like somehow it ties into this Antichrist thing, but I don't really specify how. I, well, here's a here's a question I want to ask. Also, what were the songs that you were writing adjacent to this? And to what was happening. Because, you know, it really made on this record, these it's it's this song, sweetie, crazy, amazing, heady stuff. But, like, is this just, like, what you were doing then all the time? Is that the headspace you were in? Oh, yeah. That was it. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't write anything else. I wasn't writing, like, any, like, simple tunes at that point. Was there someone or a band or a... Or how, what inspired you to do this? What felt, like, gave you permission? Not that you need permission, but, like, you know. Yeah. No, that's a good... Well, there were there were a lot of like very thematic indie rock bands that were doing stuff that I considered in this world at that time. I don't think the recording of this album, like I don't think people would have been clued into the fact that I was referencing this stuff. But like the Flaming Lips, Soft Bulletin and Yoshimi Battles, the Pink Robots or like Arcade Fire's Funeral, maybe a little bit of like the Neutral Milk Hotel in the airplane. I was going to say kind of thing. Uh, uh, There was a band, Apollo Sunshine, that I loved a lot that did a lot of thematic stuff. I mean... I also remember like that semester when I wrote all this stuff and all these lyrics, I just had a handful of CDs because it was still like CD Walkman territory. And like those were the albums I was listening to along with a lot of David Bowie. Good answers, Tommy. Yeah. I just like that. <laughs> ben, you, you asked Tommy, you know, when did this record come out? 2007. So we've, we've had a lot of time to think about this record. 2008. 2008, right. And Ben goes... Tommy, like, did you have any non-apocalypse songs? <laughs> and then, you know, no. So, we're, I had the, we're actually, at, I had one. I had that song out of tune. Remember that one? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But no, it's every song on this record is, hey, Tommy, what about uh, a song about <laughs> this or that? No, it's going to be another apocalypse tune, baby. Yep. Sorry, folks. I mean, listen, it's like, I don't know. It's like putting on the Who's Tommy and being like, do you have any songs that aren't about this guy, Tommy? (laughs) Well, I'm assuming they may have written some other songs around that time. They're like, I'm not excited about that. That was the question. Like, I know, you know. (laughs) That'd be funny if they like wrote some of the really bad 80s stuff, like at the time of Tommy. And we're just like, no, let's like, let's play later, you know? (laughs) So should we hear some of this static slash static to the heart? Yeah. This is static. Listen to smack on that kick drum. He was struck by static to the heart. Shot by an appendage from a television tube. And Voice I mean, I sound like I'm right on the edge of laryngitis for this one. <laughs> you probably were. I was. How much do we want to bop around? No, it's, I think that's enough. People can listen on their own time. Yeah, you can hear the rest of it. That part that we just got to, I mean, actually, no, let's talk about your voice first. That's insane. Both of our voices are insane the whole way through. It's so shredded, isn't it? It's crazy. It sounds painful. It's, I, can, I can hear the chili dogs, man. Yeah. Snoopies. 
God. They say before a vocal take, eat a hot dog. From Snoopy's. <laughs> From Snoopy's. Snoopy's. Hot dogs. Music. That was our first time in a studio, you know, professional studio. I still, to this day, like when I, the, the rare times that I sing in a studio, I'm like, should the volume, should, should I sing loud? Should I sing quiet? Should my mix be loud? Should my mix be quiet? Should I have like one headphone off? Should I have a little, you know how some people do the vent hole? Yeah. They do like a, they put kind of, they make a little hole there. So (laughs) go on, go on. Cause this is all audio. So you just said vent hole and they make a lot, they make a little hole there. Do you want to talk about body parts? (laughs) I'm saying you can have the imagination. You know how like when you see it, when you picture a, a cartoon version of a singer in a recording studio, they probably have one headphone ear on and one off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think a lot of the times you're sp- I see singers split the diff and they, they just, they have both headphones on, but they leave mm-hmm. it a little bit off. Little so they off. got a little porthole <laughs> yeah. for sound. My question is like, <laughs> I'm so glad there's a question here. This is awesome. Well, to what extent did your vocal discomfort stem from you kind of not knowing how to record? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I had never tracked. I mean, my high school band had tracked vocals, I guess, yeah. but like this was my first time tracking vocals in a, in a studio. And I, to me, it sounds like I had just had a cold and had laryngitis. Like that's, and was eating a lot of chili dogs. Like, I, I hear... That's some of the worst quality of voice I think I've ever put to tape. Well, and you also, like, you used to shred your voice a lot more. You've, you've learned did. how not to shred your voice. Yeah. And also, like, you know, we're trying to be tough in this song. We're like, we're a piano rock band, but we're, we're, we're heavy. We're hard. You were like... I'm sure you were going for it because we were like, this is the rock song on the record. Yeah. And I gotta, like... I gotta throw down. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. It's really crazy. I mean, and, and we should talk about the fact that this is one of the, is it the only co-write on Let Live and Let Goes? Yeah, our first co-write. Yeah, that piano part that we just got to that's all like weird and descendy, some cool chords. I, we, that year we had gone to Montreal for spring break, right? That was the year or is it the year before? Yeah, it was that year. And um No, no, you're right. No, it was it was a couple of years before. It was 2000, 2000, spring of 2005? It was sophomore year, spring, right? Yeah, spring of 2005. Sounds right. Because like you could go we could go to a bar there. Yeah. So this is the place where I I met Hey Maud, Maud, of course. And I also remember this is anecdotal, but I at that point in my life I had never not played piano for more than 2 days at a time ever. And going on this trip, I was like, I just had that itch. And I was like, I, I got to, we went to the music department at uh, McGill. At McGill. And I, I worked my way into a practice room and just started playing and wrote Hey Mod and then wrote that piano part from Static, which I had sort of stolen from. We, we were, went to one of the museums there, I think the Modern Art Museum. And they, you know, how they, they have those weird rooms that you go in and it's playing some like weird like esoteric video that's all like claymation or whatever. And the music in the background was so cool. And I don't know what it was. I'm sure there's a way to track it down. But I, in my mind, it sounded like that part in Static. And I wrote that piano part. And that's how we joined that in together. Yeah. Well, I, re- I remember you playing that at some point. I don't know if I heard it in Montreal or later, but I remember just going like, do you mind if we use that for <laughs> something that I'm working on? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And uh, do you guys remember the, so Static is actually uh, kind of predates a lot of the stuff on this record because we were playing it in 
summer of 2005. I remember we started working on it at Jesse, your mom's place in the basement Yep. for that weird little tour we did. And I don't, do you guys remember the Latin breakdown that w- the song used to have? <laughs> <laughs> Not really. That sounds like a thing that could have happened though. If we were smart, we didn't record it, but I do remember it. Wow. Uh, well, we played in the Latin band, didn't we, Tommy? We did. Isn't that one of our ensembles? We were using like, <laughs> using some clavier, like a dun, 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 dun. The, the Latin jazz ensemble at GW? Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't help that your drummer didn't play in a Latin band. That's like, that's kind of, you know. Actually, Jesse, it really did help because if you had, then you'd probably be into it and that part might still be in that track. That's a very good point. Yeah. So speaking of drums, I guess before we move on to Victoria, the drum beat in this song, I won't dwell on it, but to me at least, maybe to you guys, that really reeks of the kind of Franz Ferdinand, like that. Oh, yeah. Block party. Oh, yeah. Block party, you know, Modest Mouse to some extent. Like there was just like indie rock bands were were getting a little dancey around that mid 2000s. Oh, yeah. And I remember us feeling like let's put sort of like a open hi-hat beat or a disco beat. That's what, you know. Yeah. He's talking about, I'm going to find this because it's, it is such a good thing. Like you, we reached a point a record or two later. You're like, I never make, I can't do this anymore. Yep. We can't no more four in the floor disco beat. You, you know what song this, this weirdly, I think static drum wise and lyrically calls to mind for me is remember that Franz Ferdinand song around then that was like, um, this fire is out of control. We're going to burn this city. It's kind of like that. Oh, yeah. Oh, Hot Hot Heat. Hot Hot Heat's another band to throw in that friggin' bin. Oh, yeah. So this is Franz Ferdinand. (laughs) (laughs) There it is. The only other part, we did write those big, the big uh, build-up chords together, Tommy. Yes. Like the ascending part. That was a, that was a, that was a collab. Oh, this. <laughs> yeah, your piano player went to music school. Exciting. <laughs> he does arpeggios. That part is great. I mean, that's that part is why we still play live. Just like it's just the ending slays. Yeah, that whole build up. It's so fun. This is a this is a dumb thing to say, but that there's a moment live when we're doing those arpeggios because I've been doing them for so long. I'm bored and I start now live. I'm doing like triplets and doing all these extra polyrhythms. And it is by far the most technically difficult thing we do in the whole show or tour. But it always it's always underneath your guitar solo, so it just gets buried in like all this like noise. <laughs> It was totally fine, but I was at this moment like, dude, I'm fucking ripping this right now, and <laughs> no one can hear it. <laughs> well, just know that it depends on the sound guy, you know? That is true. Yeah. Tony, <laughs> turn me up, you motherfucker. Jesus. Cool. Anything else on, on Static? We feel good about Static? Static's, it's stood the test of time. It still works. It has to this. I wouldn't say the recording has, though. Like, hearing the recording, I'm like, geez, I would love to hear a better version of that. Another recording. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, on to the next. Queen of England, Victoria. You know her. We all know her. R.I.P. <laughs> that's, that's a weird introduction to this song. I had Haley explain the coronation to me the other day. I was like, there's still a king and queen? What the fuck? There's still a king and queen? <laughs> Victoria approached me 
with a fire in her eyes. Okay, I don't want to actually listen to that. Anyway, that's Victoria. <laughs> <laughs> so I wrote Victoria when I was in England also, and I was in the, you know, practice rooms, and the practice rooms were called Victoria Hall in Bristol, England. And I just started singing about Victoria because it sounded like a fun name. And I've been studying jazz, and there is a, a famous progression in jazz called rhythm changes, which is the same. It's the chords of I Got Rhythm, which I don't have a piano in front of me, but I Got Rhythm. You all know the song, I Got Rhythm. I'm going to find I Got Rhythm. Here we go. Oh. Nope, that's a bad one. Let's try this one. <laughs> yeah, that's a bad one. Okay, nope. I think like a Gershwin one. Yeah, I'm trying. There we go. <laughs> yeah, it sounds just like that. Wait for it. Victoria approached me. Oh, this is it. <laughs> boom, 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 boom. Anyway, those chords, bum, 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 is are the chords of Victoria way slowed down. Victoria approached me to the next chord. So I'm not doing a good job explaining this, but it's rhythm changes. If you're a music nerd, uh, it's rhythm changes. The bridge of Victoria is the same chords as the chords of I Got Rhythm. And Well, and I think that's the part you can hear more clearly because you can kind of sing over the bridge like, Old man trouble, yeah. I don't mind him, you know. Yeah, yeah. That's not a great thing. Yeah, that's it. The, yeah, the part that she came down <laughs> without any sense of conviction. Yeah, is the. Yeah. yeah, anyways. No, thanks, Tommy. That's actually, you did so much. You did all that work that I was mumbling through in like 20 <laughs> seconds. That's so much better. <laughs> well, it, it's it took me a while to figure out. Like, because yeah. you told me there was rhythm changes. And I was like, what was he talking about? And then I, and then I played rhythm changes. I was like, oh, I get it. Yeah, it's a little buried. But yeah, that's Victoria. It's just, uh, I was thinking about that music video that we did for it with our friend Shervin. Wow. Future future podcast guest, Shervin Lanez. And uh, it's a high quality music video. You should go check it out. I, I haven't seen that video in 15 years. I don't even know if it's still online. We should check. I like that one. That's one of our music videos that I like best. Hmm. I have a story for you. We're going back to episode one. This just happened over the weekend and this relates to this, but I'm going to make a post on Instagram with it because I got a picture. Anyhow, I was out to dinner. This is a whole tangent. Just bear with me here. I was out to dinner with Kelly, who is my wife. You all don't know. You all know that. The other people might not know that. And our friend Zach and Hannah. And Zach has been out. He's been Sting's drummer for the last year and a bit. And Hannah has been playing in Lord's band and they're both just back from tour. We went out to dinner. I'm saying all this for a reason, I promise. And there's a, a very nice, very sweet waitress who's talking to us with like the last table sat and we're being super friendly and Sting starts coming up on, you know, over the speakers in the restaurant. And this is in our neighborhood here in Park Slope. And I make some joke about Zach being on tour and she's like, oh, who, who are you on tour with? And he's like, oh, you know, I just, or whatever. I just came back from tour. She's like, I'm a, I'm a musician. I was just, just did like a cruise gig for a while and I'm back in the city and I'm auditioning and what, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, what do you all do? And I was, and Zach goes, well, I, I, I play drums with Sting. She's like, oh, that's so, that's so cool. And then Hannah goes, I, uh, I've been on the road with, with Lord for the, for the last year. She said, that's, that's awesome. And Hannah very kindly for me is like, and, and Ben has his own great band. They're called Jukebox the Ghost. And she goes, oh my God, you're in Jukebox the Ghost. <laughs> <laughs> and freaks out absolutely freaks out and then she goes I was in one of your music videos I was like what? She's like yeah I'm the little girl in the hold it in video in the jean jacket no yes and she goes do you remember the one armed man? 
And I was like, <laughs> I was like, kind of? And she goes, that was my dad. It was insane. And then we got pictures and like, I looked at the video and she, that we just filmed it in her or near her town in, in Connecticut. And she was eight years old. And now this is, however, 15 years later. And she's like in the city, like working and like hustling in music and trying to find the place and like doing the thing. And it was awesome. That's crazy. Isn't that a crazy story? That's insane. Wow. And she was very kind and gave us dessert for free. Not because of Sting, not because of Lord, but because she was in our music video 15 years ago. That's so sick. Yeah. So Dana, what's up? See you around. Okay. Anyway, speaking of music videos, I just had to share that anecdote. And I was going to tell you all anyway, but... No, when we get Sting on the podcast, he's going to love that story. Man, he has stopped responding to my texts. I'll tell you what. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's Victoria. Anything else on Victoria? Oh, no. I actually do have a specific thing on Victoria. Oh, okay. uh, so someone had, this is a mail, for our first mailbag. <gasps> Somebody had a Victoria question. Oh, great. This is from Sarah Pettyjohn. Sup, Sarah. Who said, I've been really enjoying your podcast. Uh, dot, dot, dot. I wanted to throw this question out there for part two. Is there a story behind how you came up with the ending of Victoria? You know, the bit with the clap? Iconic. I'm so glad that she finds it to be iconic. I don't know what that was about. I know. Jesse, That wasn't that you? Really? Maybe. I, because, because, well, Ben, because the, the end of your original version doesn't end like that. The, the version that was on your solo, Beauty of Absolutes. Oh, well, yeah, it probably just resolves. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember Jesse... Like you had an idea in your head of some way that we could add a tag on at the end. And that's how that like that four minor four and then the the octave thing came in. Right on. Yeah. Look, I can't take credit for something I don't remember. I remember that being a Jesse thing. You absolutely can. You absolutely can. And you should. I feel like I'm always trying to take credit for stuff. And then you guys were like, I don't know. Uh, I think. I <laughs> and just. Karma wise, I don't remember this. I'm not, I, my, my, my paw prints, I don't want them anywhere near this club. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. It is cool and it's iconic and I thought of it. <laughs> hey, actually though, this song was the, the hardest song for me to come up with drums for. Yeah. And try to think of a different drum beat than the one that's on it. That backbeat, bro. Yeah. Victoria. Anywho. Yeah. One other thing about this song that I, th I only I really would care about this, but whenever we play a, a show or we fly to a show, there's one particular guitar pedal that I don't bring with me because it's too heavy. And it's the one that goes wee, wee, at the end of Victoria. <laughs> so if you ever see us at a show that's not part of a tour that we flew to get there, you'll be very unsatisfied by the end of Victoria. Because everyone waits for that. It's also yet another song in E flat, which is so rude for guitarists. Apologies. This is, we're getting very like niche. Like, so Famous is a podcast where this band talks about their band and then they, but it's so cool. They, they mentioned the guitar pedal and then they mentioned this other thing where they. <laughs> You're right. Before the guitar pedal, we were super mainstream. <laughs> this really put us over the edge. Listen, man, everyone wants to know about the Digitech whammy. And I'm going to tell them all about it. This episode brought to you by Digitech Whammy, Tommy's Pedal. <laughs> Absolutely. So what's what's Brooklyn Nets? Okay, Brooklyn Nets is My Heart's the Same, which goes into Lighting Myself on Fire. The songs start getting all schmebbly-webbly, which means connected, I think. <laughs> mm -hmm. So here, here's My Heart's the Same. It sounds like this. 
it does that for a while, and it's pretty <laughs> cool. <laughs> no, it's uh, it. I don't know. I, I it's like another old one. It is old. This this has been around for a while, and and it had a lot of build and. The two hearts, hearts the same, and lighting myself on fire were not originally meant to be put together. I don't think, I didn't, I don't think I even wrote them in that order. I think I was just living in a space, and that's just where it landed because it's got this big outro. Um, I mean, honestly, that that end of of my heart's the same and into the drop of letting myself on fire is like maybe my favorite part of the record. I think that part came out amazing. Yeah, I think so too. It's a cool piece of music. It's great. For me, one of the only parts that like actually like we didn't need more than was in there. Mm-hmm. I mean, and we the fact that we got timpani in there is pretty sick. Yeah, there's actually there's there's timpani all over this record. I think that's it stands out there because it's it's used in a classical way. Yeah. There's other moments in the record where it's just randomly like on one beat. I just, I love that we're such a goofy ass band. I was just thinking about how that, <laughs> our first record, we barely had any time and we were like, we we're like, it didn't even occur to us to put bass on the album. It was, we were just like, we got to get the timpani and the harpsichord on there. <laughs> <laughs> That's all we added a timpani and harpsichord. Oh, man. Uh. <laughs> timpani is pretty cool, though. It is really cool. I love it. I was everything like th- listening to these. I was like, all I wanted to do is like write for orchestra. I was so deep in my classical world, and like everything was was orchestral for me. Were Were you thinking about the unauthorized autobiography of Reinhold Messner that album at all with the timpani stuff, or was that kind of coincidental? Oh yeah. Okay. Oh yeah, hundred percent. No, 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 no. No, that's uh. It's yeah. a Ben Folds Five record for those who don't know. Ben Folds Five using timpani made me want to use timpani. I mean that record. That record's incredible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And wasn't um, did Ben Folds record at that studio? No, I think <laughs> the producer. I think Mitch Easter, Mitch Easter, the other guy that he knew, yeah. knew like recorded with him or something. Yep. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> we should mention, you know, in part one, we mentioned Matt Boswell, the engineer on Let Live and Let Ghost. We mentioned Ted Comerford, the producer. We never mentioned Lowat, which is the name of the recording studio. Don't know if it still exists, but that was in Raleigh, North Carolina. That's true. I think we've given Snoopy's this the the chili place <laughs> more shout outs than Lowat. Yeah. But Lowat's a cool studio. I'd I'd go back if it exists. I I would I'm be shocked if it was still there. Yeah. But maybe it's it kind of small. That's the thing too. Like they didn't have a ton of gear there, but they had a set of timpani drums. I don't even remember if they did or didn't at this point. I thought they borrowed the timpani from Mitch Easter along with the harpsichord, but I might be wrong. They did. They did. Oh, that sounds correct. I love timpani, <laughs> though. It sounded really good. It, yeah, well, you know what? My, the ending of My Heart's the Same reminds me of is Narcolepsy, which is the first track on that Ben Folds 5 album. Yeah. Which is a great song. Whether I meant to or not, I was definitely borrowing from that with the the repetition of a single note, the da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. But yeah, I, I don't know. My Heart's the Same. It was, you know, it was, just, it was a love song. I, I would At that time, I was just writing. There's something beautiful that happens, I think, early in a person's like songwriting career where you don't know the rules you don't know you're breaking like i was just that song just existed in it and i didn't think about like oh this is a funny structure or this just doesn't really have a chorus or it just didn't even occur to me it's like oh this song is this song i would have trouble doing that now Mm. you know not thinking like oh this is supposed to go like this or maybe you know this verse is good but the second one needs to vary in this way or change in that way i don't know it's just an example of like it just exists 
And I think that's really cool. Does that make sense? It does. It does. Well, it also, I feel like lyrically too, it's kind of funny to think about songs from that era as well. Cause like, I don't know. You're also like writing sometimes like if, if, if you're at that age, you're writing a song about love and you're not even really sure what it is, but you're writing this idea of what you think it would be, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. It's, it's all through this really wild prism where you don't actually you haven't fallen into the tropes yet musically or lyrically yet, and i i like that yeah hey what's a sweet song let me i'm just do the uh unless you all are good i'm gonna do a little transition into lighting myself on fire and we'll get yeah. into the true chaos Tommy, I'm sorry I make you play these insane parts. I mean, I'm glad it worked out. Don't apologize to me. It's fun for me. Apologize to Je- Jesse's the one who's having, who's sweating up there. Well, I, you know, I complain too much. Oh, that's true. I'd like to say that, you know, <laughs> in 2023. I'd like to say that too. Is this a safe space? Can we all say that? It's, this is a safe space. Yeah, I'd like to say that too then. <laughs> yeah, sometimes I just don't have the physical or mental energy for this tune. Although these days I don't care. I, I, I miss playing it. I love it. Like, let's play it. But in the wrong moment in a set list, I will be, oh God, you know? Yeah. For what it's worth, in a wrong, I, I feel the same. It's an exhausting song. There's a <laughs> lot of notes. It's a lot of notes. Well, t- tell us more about the, because there's like a Danny Elfman classical thing happening here that is really special. Yeah, there's, uh, you know, I, I was, again, listening to a lot of, or- of, of classical music, orchestral music, and was really into like late 1800s, early 1900s, like a lot of movement, interesting chords. Granted, this is still harmonically pretty safe, all things considered. I know this is insane in a pop context, but those like big octave, octave movements in the left hand and like in that left hand, is like in my mind, all the strings and all the the winds and, and the brass just going all, all playing at the same time. Yeah, I was just, I was going for just big and bombastic. And there's a really cool modulation that happens into the bridge. I'm just going to stay in like full like music theory mode where it changes your harmonic center from a major to a minor. And then you start moving around some stuff. Right here. Same key, but in minor. And then eventually it's going to switch back after one more. There's that timpani. <laughs> I thought we added distortion to the vocals there. Anyway, it's just like a... I'm, I really love that moment because it's really hard to take a song that's in a major key, turn it into a minor key for the bridge... And then just go right back. It's a cool. We've I've never done that any other time. Well, and it feels so 
good when you land on the major one chord for the for that next section yeah. for the wearing it down. You know, anyone? It, it feels. Yeah, I I love that ending so much. I love lighting myself on fire. I think that's one of it's one of my favorite Ben Thornwell jams. Thanks, man. I feel, for what it's worth, I feel the same way. It's one of those like I don't know how that happened, and I'm so glad it did. Were you referencing anything specifically musically with the the like? Is there anything that comes to mind? Like, because that feels very unusual to me. The only thing I could think of is what's this? <laughs> right. I don't think we'd even learned what's this yet at no. that point. No, we hadn't. So I, I think what it was was thinking about ways to. I was just practicing piano all the time, and. Like I was an easier example of like how this happens is schizophrenia came because I was practicing repetitive notes, uh, single note with two fingers or single notes and octaves. And there's just like little moments where I don't, I might've been practicing like big octave movements, both hands and an octave spread apart across the piano moving around. I bet I was just playing and, and making stuff up and I got to that and got excited and then found it from there. And then lyrically, I, you know, it's, it's, Weird, a little cringy to think about now, but it, I was uh, living in D.C. in downtown D.C. was the first time I was like around homelessness. It was the first time I'd ever seen it. And our roommate, shout out to Benji, original bass player of the Sunday Mail. He went out and made friends with a lot of the the guys who would just hang out on the on the street, and they were kind of kind of nuts. You know, they had like manifestos, and they would just talk about really the stuff that you were into, Tommy. I should have introduced you. You all had a lot of the same outlooks. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> thank you. You're welcome. But uh, you know the weather was getting colder, and anyway, the it was I just uh, it was my my brain was like thinking about lighting myself on fire to warm the people in the streets, and just having that as a weird visual. It was just in my head, and the whole song sprang out of that. And then the chorus, "You became a fire to me." Kelly won't believe it, but I wrote it about the lady that's now my wife. That's crazy. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. No. Okay. Don't, don't, yeah. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's, that's really why. I, I almost don't believe you. For what it's worth, she doesn't believe me either. <laughs> I've been saying it for a long time. So you had a little crush, you always had a little crush on her. I was a little crush. Just a little crush. It was very little at that point. Well, do you want to have a crush on someone who lives like not even in your state? I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, but. What? She, she lived down the street from me back home. Oh, you meant growing up. What I'm saying is when you wrote the song, you were in college and Kelly Puckett wasn't. Yeah, I was probably still going back to Kentucky. That's true. And we're, you know, in touch. That's true. Well, that's really nice, Ben. I just like to, you know, I'm a little, I'm a little bit, of, I'm a romantic. There is no woman in D.C. <laughs> who can even dream of comparing with women in Kentucky. You said it. <laughs> um. Let that, let that breathe. Let that breathe, kids. Feel it. Feel it. I thought of something that is pertinent to this era, but I'm going to save it. <laughs> Thank you so much. No, I appreciate it. <laughs> You're not gonna hear it, but I thought of it. What? Oh yeah. No, it's in my. It's in me cabeza. Are you just bragging? <laughs> You're bragging about a thought you had. <laughs> hey, hey, I don't want to <laughs> brag, but I had a thought. <laughs> I had a thought, and it pertains to some of this stuff. Uh, I was gonna save it for when we finish the record, but we <laughs> should talk about. And this, we should have brought this up during Static, but you brought up Fire. One of the big events of us in college is Tommy's station wagon getting burned to the ground. Oh, yeah. Yes, that was just four months before the recording of this record. <laughs> maybe th maybe three months, actually. Three to four uh, months. Yeah, so some background. As you know from our previous episode about Let Love and Let Ghost, Jukebox and Ghost did not have a car be because we were carting our equipment around in smelly dumpsters. 
until our senior year, my sister was in college and had our family's old station wagon. She moved to New York where she no longer needed the station wagon. I inherited this blue Ford Taurus station wagon, and we were all excited because we were going to use it as our touring vehicle because you could technically fit the piano keyboard and our very minimal gear setup and three of us into the station wagon. So I had it parked at the time I was working uh, as a park ranger at the Chesapeake and Ohio Canal in Washington, D.C., and I had it parked at the Park Service parking lot next to the Kennedy Center. Tommy, what was your nickname? My nickname? Oh, my ranger name. Your ranger name. As a ranger, I was Redbeard. Yeah. Redbeard. I just love that. So I, I, I would park this car, which we used, I think, for like all of two tour dates, maybe. Like one in New York and like playing at the Grog and Tankard or something in D.C. Anyways, I had it parked in this Park Service parking lot and I got a call from from I was, I was super hungover and I got a call from my boss who at like seven in the morning and I didn't answer, but I listened to the voicemail and he was just like, hey, Tommy, just uh, wanted to call. Looks like little bits of your car all over the parking lot. <laughs> just uh, wanted to let you know. <laughs> and so when I woke up, uh, I ran down there, and sure enough, there were little shards of the car all over the parking lot. <laughs> the hood of the car by itself, <laughs> and then the license plate, which was bandwagon. <laughs> and <laughs> I just called the fire department, and they were like, they were like, oh yeah, there's a car, yeah, we got that car, it's Torch to smithereens, you know? And so I went over to the fire station, identified the car, and I was like, so what happens? And they were like, guess your car got burned, man. (laughs) And I, you know, it was my parents' car, so I didn't get any insurance money, so we lost our tour van. (laughs) That was it. Burned to the ground. Yeah, so didn't someone, like, rip up, uh, like, a street sign and put it through the front window and then torch it? It had rained really hard that night, and the theory is that somebody sought shelter in the car, smashed the windows with a no parking (laughs) sign nearby, and then slept in the car and torched it. I was actually, I was upset about the car, but that was almost so ridiculous that I I, I thought it was, we all thought it was pretty funny. I mean, like, we we took the hood back to our, the hood of the car back to our dorm room and kept it for a long time. But, oh God, what was I going to say? Did you lose something in the car? Was there was there something? Oh, yes. Sorry. So, but the thing I was most disappointed about on a sort of practical level is that I had two huge bags of dirty laundry that I had in the car because I was about to do laundry. So just all my clothes were gone too. (laughs) I would love to look into some forensics and see if the guy took the clothes or burned the clothes. I think he burned the clothes. In fact, I think that's what was the kindling for the fire. (laughs) Pretty dirty clothes, huh? Wow. Oh, man. <laughs> That's so good. This is like, you know, I don't know why I remember this, but I, I still don't know. I'm still not, like, I'm not the best at consoling anyone. I brought you a sandwich. Like, I, I don't know how our phone call went, but I'm pretty <laughs> sure you you were like, my car's gone. <laughs> it's gone. <laughs> or like, it's, and I'm like, oh, shit, man. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll bring you a sandwich. And I thought I was like a hero for comforting my friend. Yeah, yeah. We must have all been out that night because I remember being pretty sluggish. And I, you know, woke up at, you know, it's college, 1030. And yeah, I just had a voicemail. And Jesse's like, yeah, Tommy's car got, it was just burned to the ground. I was like, <laughs> what? 
He's like, yeah, he's pretty upset. I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm sure he is. <laughs> so, what do we do? Yeah, I remember walking over there, and it was just like there's just some ashes in the park. Life is just going on as normal. <laughs> and where there was once a car, no car. So I thought of this because Ben was talking about fire, but, you know, it relates to static because, because uh, remember like all those shows where we, I mean, I guess. We used to play a lot more shows with kids. Oh, shows with kids. So instead of, instead of motherfucker, we'd say station wagon. We're going to burn the station wagon down. And that was a nice inside joke. That was a moment between the three of us. Just a nice moment. Tommy, what if, what if the same guy that Benji was friends with, who was having the same thoughts that you were having about the end of the world, is the same guy that torched your vehicle and is responsible for all of these songs and the muse for our entire first record? Have you considered that maybe, I know this is maybe too small world, and Kelly might not believe this, but what if she started the fire in my car? I'm going to send her a text. (laughs) Well, speaking of, the next song is Fire in the Sky. Yeah. Themselves into space. Oh, man. They gazed at the wrinkles on God's face. And he followed them down. He was surprised by what he found. The song rips. Lights, Lights and towers Lights and that touch the sky. It's a really sweet Submarines song. and machines that attempted to fly. He said, You all look the same from far away, and I really hate to be this way. It's, it's like if Blackbird didn't make any sense. <laughs> but I'll stick to what I say. Oh, that's a funny thing to say. Something's gonna have to change. No harmony there. Oh, yeah. Today's judgment day. That's a hard hard stop. I I was thinking about that when uh, (laughs) there's there's more acoustic guitar on this record than any other record we have. It was one of the four instruments we had, so, you know. (laughs) Right. Well, I was just, you know, that was before we were spending time, like, with, you know, me with synths or, or you with, you know, electric guitars on the road. You were just like living on an acoustic guitar all the time. Yeah. So you were writing on it. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's funny because I didn't, I don't know, I don't don't know if we talked about this, but like, I didn't actually hear this song as an acoustic guitar song. Really? I heard it as being like a very orchestral MIDI thing, like, like on the Flaming Lips soft bulletin, like the spark that bled, I think is the song that kind of makes me think of it melodically. But yeah, anyways, I just, I, it was like, I don't know, but I wrote it on guitar, so I played it on guitar. Mm-hmm. And I mentioned this in uh... Sorry, Jeff. Uh, no, that's cool. Like this vibe? <laughs> yeah. Kinda. Interesting. Yeah. All right, sorry, Jeff. Didn't mean to cut you off. No, it's all good. You know, we were not gearheads. We're kind of still not, you know. Definitely not. Gearheads, which just means that you're nerdy about musical gear. You know, in college especially, we we had our three instruments. We did not, we could not self-record. I mean, this was the this was the Stone Ages. Well, also to our cre- to our credit, nobody did at that time, right? Yeah, no one did. So you know, Tommy definitely. I I, I credit Tommy with having this sort of a very good musical taste in bands, better than me in college. But uh, B, you had a wild imagination in terms of arrangement. But I don't think we could have pulled off any of that stuff, you know? No, we, we didn't have the time. We wouldn't have known how. We didn't have the money and we didn't have the technology. Looking back, you know, in our freshman dorm, Jess, we had, there was a recording rig in there. That's right. But like 
well, you, I was just excited to play music for the first time with a drummer. So I was like, I don't want to record. I just want to make music. It's a different thought process. Yeah. And we were already a live band. Like we were primarily a live band. I mean, we, we would arrange our songs kind of fast. I mean, we were obsessed with it and we were meticulous, but you know, they came together and then we, and then we played shows. Tommy Rose, before we get all full into this or all three and we, maybe we combine them like, do you want to, I don't know, talk about what these three songs are? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, they are very, they're very lyrical. So in my head at that time, when I was, uh, we talked about in the first episode, I wrote all of these when I was just kind of backpacking around Italy with the guitar and just having a lot of solo time and writing these weird apocalyptic songs. And uh, remind me, I do have a story about playing this for the first time in Italy that is funny. But the the actual story behind this song is I was trying to, you know, again, I was I was kind of trying to parody the Book of Revelations, okay. but like just, just to turn it on, a, on its head, which I hadn't read the book at the time, but a, a good reference for it, which I read later is, um, I don't know if you've ever read the Neil Gaiman, Terry Pratchett book, Good Omens. Yeah. That's very much the headspace that I was in, very coincidentally. So I was kind of doing like what I imagined to be like a Kurt Vonnegut take on like what the end of the world is. That's cool. And so in in Fire in the Sky, where all the scientists now, it sort of imagines that God lives just like way out in the galaxy. He's just like this omniscient space god, right? The classic Christian god. The classic Christian space god. (laughs) And, you know, he's sort of set the galaxy in motion, but, you know, doesn't really intervene in the daily affairs. And so the imagining of this song is that he sees a spaceship go by and he's like, what the hell is that? And so he follows it down, you know, which, you know, all this is in in the lyrics, but he, he follows it down and finds just civilization and is like, well, I'll be damned. I guess I'm going to have to destroy it all, (laughs) you know? And so that's kind of the pretext of the song that he created humanity unknowingly. And then once he, once they kind of invade outer space, he's like, they're getting a little too big for their britches and something's going to have to change. So today is judgment day. (laughs) And then can we just go straight into where all the scientists now? Yeah. So what, what, do you want to talk about any before we get right in or do you want to listen for a sec? I'll listen for a second. Okay, here we go. Where are all the scientists now? Another classic playlist. (laughs) That folds like right there. I'm hearing Decemberists in my in my parts. The sky was black with as it began to sink. I thought of you. Thought of you. Thought of you. I love. Actually, I love this song. I love it too. That's so Flaming Lips, you know. Anything? Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, uh, I, which, by the way, to credit to you guys, I mean, I remember I brought in this sequence of music, and there was one part in particular that was pretty wacky, and you guys were like, "What if we didn't do that?" And and so the the very beginning of it, the the that's something we all wrote together to replace it because I had this thing that was like, you know, do you remember that? Oh yeah, yeah. Right, this is the short version too, isn't it? This is the short version. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a safe bet that if, if, if any Tommy song that's got like an apocalyptic thing, that is this that is the seventy five percent version. Yeah, whatever you've heard come out from Jukebox Ghost is, is by default the radio edit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Even if it's oh, still man. seven minutes long. Yeah. So I mean, so we're all the scientists now. I mean, I, I don't I assume people understand the title somewhat. Like it's the idea that, you know, like like now that it's the end of the world and God is raining hellfire, where are all those scientists now? What do they have to say about this? You know? Idiots. Those fools. So that that the anyways the whole song is written then it switches to first person perspective you know and uh, it's just about you know hellfire raining down it also has more Iraq War references with the toy soldiers in the desert marching in the sand that whole bit that's awesome yeah and 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 I think in my narrative Dick Cheney was Satan so when the Satan shaking hands holding a briefcase well, that's not just your narrative. <laughs> that's true that's a weird thing to say i don't care anymore no one cares no i'm, I'm bar- i was borrowing from popular <laughs> mythology of the time yeah, yeah 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 which by the way jesse is it a coincidence you're wearing a t-shirt that says i survived on it no okay <laughs> but i did i did find i did uh pick it out very fast about an hour ago <laughs> that's great congratulations thanks no um i i think i i think i tried or i wore this shirt when we thought we were going to do this episode the first one and i feel like we had a technical reset like we, I think I wore this shirt and then we ended up not taping. Much like Tommy's songs end up being 70% of what came in, each podcast episode, you have to add 25% of that length for some technical insanity that happens before and after we get off the <laughs> yeah. show. Usually on my part. Almost always. We had some fun one this morning or the, earlier today. That's just great. Yeah. I'm gonna, we should start recording it and that should just be all of our bonus material. Oh, people would love that. They would love that. They would love it. Do you want to jump around in this one a little more? What else happens? Yeah, this, this is the We Survived bit. Great. Oh, yeah. Modulations. Diminished chords. There's timpani everywhere. <laughs> Disco beat. Yep. <laughs> yeah, wow. This is the this is an ending, yeah. Oh yeah. I remember being very excited I learned how to do diminished chords and modulations around that time and being like, whoa. I was excited too because then I was like, oh, hell yeah, he can do it. Um, oh, 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 I, 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 I did just remember the story that I wanted to tell you guys about playing this whole sequence of music for the first time in Italy. Great, let's go. <laughs> in Rome, I booked a, a gig at this, um, there was like a stoner bar that I would go to and see like Italian... 20-somethings playing Jimi Hendrix covers. And it was called Dostamo Il Famo. And you had to have a membership card to get in. And uh, somehow I got one. And anyways, I somehow booked myself a set at this club. And I was just, I used this as a deadline to like see if I could finish writing all this stuff. And so I played the whole fire in the sky where all the scientists now matter of time sequence. And that was was, um, what I... (laughs) <laughs> what I closed with. And after I after I played it, I got off stage and this Italian guy just starts like gesticulating wildly and like <laughs> talking 
like he's speaking Italian so fast I couldn't understand anything he was saying, and I was like, "Me dispiace, non parlo italiano" or whatever, and he, and 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 he just he just pauses for a second trying to think of like what how to tell me in English, and he just goes he holds my shoulders and looks me in the eye and he goes, "I love you." It's like the nicest thing anyone's ever said to me after a gig. <laughs> I love you. It's amazing. <laughs> so whenever I think of this part of it, I think of that guy. He loved it. That's so nice. Yeah. That's so fun. What a nice memory. Like you, like you look, you look out over the crowd, like into the into the lights, and you just picture this guy going, "I love you. I, I love you." You you're playing in front of a thousand kids. <laughs> As long as I can make one Italian, it's very stoned Italian happy. So he's the one that got away, you know? <laughs> That's a really good story. Love it. Uh, I don't know. Was, it, it, the song keeps going. Yeah, they lit up the inside of the moon. We survived. <laughs> on the inside of the moon. There's another insane, there's like one more, you know, classical piano college kid moment with the descending tritones. I don't even know where that is. Oh, yeah. I forgot it's chuggy. That's really nice. Christmas lights dedicated and renovated for you. And taking a cue from the Get ready. borrowing <laughs> down. A shelter just to be All right, we've already transitioned to the next song. We're such a we're such a silly fucking band. That's insane. That's so silly. That's so silly. I mean, this is the right choice. Well, it, we I mean, listen, it is. We were intentionally being silly, yeah. but it's so funny that, like, ah, uh, that's so. It's it's even funnier to actually record it. <laughs> the sound of animals burrowing into the ground. Ugh. <laughs> 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 And then we got Matter of Time, which is this surprising little, like, more conventional-ish song. Except for the chorus, which says, yeah, keep right. on eating to keep on shitting as part right. of the <laughs> chorus lyrics. And this is the final song. You you have, if you're listening, again, there, there are hotlines you can call for support, but if you're still listening, our hearts go out to you, and this is, the, you've made it to the final song on this record. You have. You have. And by the way, I mean, speaking of editing, you know, we talked earlier about, you know, that any Tommy song is like, you can assume that it's two minutes shorter than it originally was if it, if Jukebox the Ghost released it. This, <laughs> there's something that I didn't even pitch to you guys because there's some self-editing that goes on because I just know you guys won't go for it. <laughs> and I remember in, uh, like, when I wrote this whole suite of music, it was actually supposed to be Fire in the Sky, Toy Soldiers, yep. Where Are All the Scientists Now, We Survived a Matter of Time. I wanted, I thought it would be, like, all minute-long tracks stitched together. I remember that. I remember Toy Soldiers. Yeah, and you guys were like, you're insane. And I was like, you're right. <laughs> Well, I think I would have been afraid of a of putting a record out that was more than like 13 tracks, but I think I still like I'm a little bit boring when it comes to that. I don't think we were in time, you know, we weren't thinking about vinyl. Vinyl didn't even matter at that point. No, no, but still like, you know, just visually. Just visually, yeah. Visually, aesthetically, and you know, I grew up listening to pop punk and all that, so it I couldn't imagine like a 17 track record. <laughs> God forbid. Well, I, since we're on that topic, I'll just mention that Tommy and I came up with the, the sequence to this record independently of one another. The same sequence. That's true. Remember that? That's true. I do remember that. 
That was nice. That happens a lot with you guys. Not it, it never happened. Usually there's there's chunks that we agree that we kind of instinctually were like duh, you know. But usually there are a few slots that are take some deliberation. Yeah, totally. I usually don't even remember what's on the record. <laughs> I'm thinking about a matter of time and how to explain it. And I think this one still, again, to me, it calls back to that whole like Kurt Vonnegut kind of take on things. It's like a Sirens of Titan version of the end of the world, you know? Yep. So in this, uh, the narrator and everyone comes out from their bunkers after the supposed apocalypse. And they're like, wait a minute, everything's just better, you know? And this new world is wonderful and like, uh, like, like a walking around on a birthday cake. New and improved world. Yeah. And then the speaker... And then God is, you know, blasting his message to humanity, you know, from the clouds. The voices ring out from the clouds. And the message is, keep crying to stop the water rising to your brain made, made of dirt. And keep on pissing to keep drinking and keep on eating to keep on shitting. Time will wear you down. That is classic <laughs> God speak, isn't it? Classic. <laughs> but yeah, sort of poking poking fun at the idea that there would be any meaning yeah. at all coming from that perspective. Like, that... He would just be like, just keep doing your dumb human bullshit. Carry on, you know. Why didn't we get signed? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's a great tune. Yeah, that one is so fun to play. And we do not play that song very, very often. We don't. It's a little long. It's a little long. It's a little long. Mm. I do. I haven't listened to it, but I want to talk about the bridge and talk about how we are still, maybe we're just now, however many years later, figuring out, figuring out how to solo. Because... This was like a, hey, Ben, let loose, oh. and then Tommy lets loose. And I, I think, I haven't listened to it. I haven't revisited this. I was waiting for this moment. But my guess is your letting loose is good, Tommy. Like, you, you your guitar solo still holds together, and it's melodic and doing a thing. It's just it's just the, a few licks that I knew, you know? Yeah. but And someone gave me a harpsichord and said, do it a couple times. <laughs> yeah, your solo is, well, your solo is also three times longer than mine, I think, too. <laughs> yeah, it probably is. Can we just revisit this real quick? Please, please. With the robot voice. I don't know where. Let's see if I can find it. Keep on drinking and keep on eating and keep on shitting. Time will wear you down. Cool chords. Wait, this is Tremble and Touch? Forecast song. Forecast song. Just going to say, Forecast Song was one of our earliest songs as a band, and it doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, I, 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 I with your permission, stole that part of the bridge because we had stopped playing Forecast Song at that point, but we all liked that part of Forecast Song. Yeah, I really like that part. Yeah. We mentioned Forecast Song on this podcast already when we mentioned the, do you know any killers? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Keeps yeah, coming up. Yeah. They come back. Classic story. <laughs> I hear bass. Baritone guitar? Is that bass? Wait, there oh, is yeah. bass on this. Guys, there is bass on this. Controversial. Really? Boom, boom. Oh. There's an absolute, there's a, there's a 100% of bass here. I was going to make a joke about you guys soloing while I play with my imaginary bass friend. And then they exist. <laughs> He's there. But who is he? Did Ted play? Wow. I dubbed it in and then I threw it on on Spotify for y'all. Your snuffle up against. Oh, basil off of us. <laughs> I 
listening to your brain composed of dirt. That's funny. It's actually less coherent in a good way than I thought it, than I remember it being. Yeah, it's more just like sounds. Yeah, it's just sounds. And, and I think that's a lot of reverse. I think that's reverse harpsichord. I actually think you're remembering more your live, our live performance. Of the yeah, if anyone's seen me play that live, it fucking sucks. <laughs> <laughs> you can't do that. You can't do that. You're a hero to, to many who are listening. Imagine listening to your hero go, yo, have you ever seen me play live? <laughs> I <laughs> fucking suck. <laughs> I suck. <laughs> and you suck for coming out tonight. <laughs> it is one of those moments of when we when we play it live, I, you know, I'm a disruptor. And I try to make it <laughs> I try to make oh, it as, as oh Jesse's gone. I try to make it as weird as possible. <laughs> Jesse, all right? You spilled a drink. <laughs> I thought I spilled the drink. It was just my phone. But I, I like they I, look, those two things look very similar. <laughs> oh my god. No, I try to always make that that solo as like incomprehensible as possible live, and I, in my <laughs> mind, that was how the it went um, on the record. But no, <laughs> no, you're a disruptor. That's fine. <laughs> good laugh. The, the Elon Musk of double speed harpsichord. <laughs> oh man, yeah, the, yeah, great. Anyway, let's. Uh, <laughs> just, I'm just gonna listen to the. Li- I, don't, I don't know. I was gonna play the end of this song, and then I think we're that's an, that's an album. <laughs> I think that's an album. Is there is there anything else we missed? I mean, I'm trying to think of like. All right, we got your station wagon burning. <laughs> got the station wagon. That about covers it. That about covers it. Snoopy's Snoopy's chili dogs. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Shout out to Louise Hare. Yes. Oh yeah. Although, were we staying with her during the mixing? No. Oh, maybe part. No, I don't think you know so. What? Louise, why hey, not? Louise, we take it back. No <laughs> shout out. Well, maybe we did. We stayed with her later for sure, but I I can't remember. Yeah. Anyways, a good friend of ours in in uh, the Chapel Hill area who was very kind to host us a number of times. We must have been working on the record. Otherwise, why did we would we have stayed there for like an extended period of time? I agree, though. Let's recant the shout out because we're because we're <laughs> unsure. It's just you don't want to be unsure with these yeah. things. Yeah, Louise, we you know we know you and and you know you know us. Uh, I know that you know. What what more do you need? But what we know. <laughs> but do you know what we don't know? And with that, thanks for listening to the making of Let Live and Let Ghosts. We could talk about the title. Thank you for listening. We should close with. We should. Let's 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 discuss this. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. That is funny in hindsight. Ben. Yeah, that's on me. So it's a. If I remember correctly, which I don't, because I'm having trouble saying it out loud. There's the Let Live and Let God is the phrase, but not really, right? It's well, my memory is that it's sort of we're actually playing off of a bastardization of a phrase, which is either let live and let go or let live and let God. But it actually doesn't have the let in front of it. So we added the let unknowingly. Right. Because the the actual phrase is live and let God. Yeah. Okay. There's live and let God, which turned into let live and let God, which turned into (laughs) let live and let ghosts, which is completely incomprehensible. Like our band name and our music. And actually, I think the phrase is, I'm, I just looked it up, if you heard me typing, and yeah. I think the phrase is, let go and let God, which is even, I don't know what our title is. So it's, it's like, what is it? Let live and let die, and then... <laughs> let live and let ghosts. <laughs> you know what we could let live and let die? This podcast episode? This podcast taping. Oh, yeah. Sweepy baby over there.
The more I look at the word, the title. Oh no! We're gonna get you to bed, Jeff. We're gonna get no. Hold on. For the record, it's nearly seven. I am not a sweepy baby. It's nearly seven thirty p.m. and you need to go to sleep. I'm not even sweepy. You're the sweepy baby. No. No. Jesse, do you remember? Can you do? Can you still make your baby cry? No. Can you do it? Can you do it? Maybe on a future episode, if we get enough likes, reviews. Subscribes. Oh yeah, this is a great time to say if you like, review, and subscribe, Jesse will do a baby voice. <laughs> and I will cry like a sweepy baby. We also should say we are going to do a mailbag QA episode uh, at some point in the near future. So if you have any questions you would like to ask us, send them to famishpod at gmail.com, which is F-A-M-E-I-S-H pod at gmail.com. And we do want you to know we have been getting your your emails and we love it and we were we are going to respond to you. Not to you, Louise Hare, though. You can stop emailing us now. You got your shout out. <laughs> All right. This is the end of the album. It goes like this. It's only a matter of time. Still eight more seconds in this track. Do you know there's a laugh at the end of that? I forgot. Look, guys, we've been making each other laugh for so long. I'm going to bed. All right. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> no, that was a joke. That was just, that was to be funny. But you're going to bed, aren't you? No. <laughs> okay, bye. 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 <laughs> I got a single clap. I want to play the famous theme song. Pretty soon I'm going to be famous. A little more famous than you. Certain people will greet my name with a proud and mighty boom. And one glorious day, my songs will be played at an airport chili's too. Why, yes, I'm gonna be famous, and you can be famous too.